If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I'm joined by my two gaming dads, just two favorite people to talk video games and all things Xbox with, Paris Lilly and Gary Witta. Gary, you get the icebreaker question of the day, so I'm going to start off with my dude, Paris. Paris, how are you feeling today? You did games daily earlier, so you're doing double duty here at Kind of Funny. How are you feeling this afternoon? Uh, a little under the weather. I've uh, been battling a cold, knock on wood, all, all week. I, I was originally going to go to Dice, and uh, oh. that would have been a disaster if I would have went to Vegas. <laughs> I would have been coughing and sneezing all over the place, you know, with, with, with the world that we're living in right now. But other than that, you know, doing well. It was great to be with Blessing earlier today, doing kind of funny games daily, and uh, we're here to talk some Xbox. So let's do it. You know it. You got to talk all things gaming now. We talk Xbox together. I guess, Paris, before I go over to Gary, what's the cold remedy for you, Paris? What's the go-to? Is it a hot tea? Is it a warm blanket in games? What's your go-to? Yeah, there you go. Some some, some hot tea and just, yeah, just sitting under a blanket trying to sleep as much as I possibly can. That's about it. All right. Big Daddy Paris needs some sleep. All right. I like that. Well, let's enjoy the podcast together. Gary. I want to check in with you and then give you the icebreaker question from one of our viewers out there in the kind of funny best friend universe. So Gary, how are you doing this week? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, very busy. Uh, just, you know, a lot of running around from, from one place to another. I had very little time to kind of come up for air. It's just been one of those weeks, but uh, good. You and I uh, uh, hosted kind of funny games daily earlier oh, in the yeah. week. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Always enjoy hosting with you, but certainly much more than with Greg, certainly. Uh, it was good. Yeah, really. It was it was a fun show. I like it was it, it kind of made what we talked about. It was just it was just fun. It was good. Yeah, it's always great hanging out with you, Gary. You know that. And it's fun to do games daily where we get to talk about everything. And it's funny you bring that up because I actually have zoned that out of my mind. I took the past two days off, Gary. I've hit the slopes with my friends. And I guess when you have that much fun, you just black out the rest of the week. So I've forgotten about games daily. So <laughs> thanks for reminding me about that. But Gary. We have a viewer best friend question all for you this week. The icebreaker question coming in from Mike okay. he wants to ask Gary this. Had a blast seeing some of your old scripts on Twitter. Did you always save all of your work or is that something you learned to do with time? Also, second part, has your kid or the classmates of your kid heard about Loodle? I, um, okay, so I think I have pretty much everything that i've written somewhere uh i even have i mean it's all kind of stored away but i even have like the very first um macintosh that i ever did like my first screenwriting on back in the 
early uh what would have been i guess like the early 90s it's you know one of the old remember the old like the original max that looked like little little beige yeah. tv mm-hmm. um yeah. i i still have it and it amazingly it still boots up and i can still go and i mean i wouldn't know how to get files off of it at this point but a, a lot of my like really really early writing is still intact on that old macintosh hard drive and then you know every, yeah I, everything is is all stored away both you know locally and in the cloud uh in case i ever need to to refer to it that's good, Gary. I, I expected you to keep it all. I would have been wowed if you said, no, I haven't kept some of those old stuff, but I knew you were somebody keeping all of that. The follow-up question, has your kids' classmates heard of Loodle at all? I don't know about, I mean, my, my kids heard about it, you know, because she, okay. she, she hears me and my wife talking about it around the house, and she's aware of that it's like, because she plays Wordle. She knows what Wordle is. So she's aware okay. that it's Wordle, but for but for bad words, and she I think she she gets the essential <laughs> the, the essential joke. Um, uh, as uh, in terms of that, I mean that would be funny, obviously, if like some kid would say, "Oh, I'm playing this game, Loodle." She go, "Oh, she could say, oh, my dad made that." But uh, as far as I'm aware, that has not that has not yet happened. I'm sure kids are playing it, you know, because as soon as, anything that kids shouldn't be doing, you know, they that's what they go straight for. Yeah, that's the truth, Gary. It's right uh, a lot of hot word of mouth about Loodle this week, as opposed to last week when we talked with Pokimane playing it, but uh, Loodle continuing to stay on the rise. So great job, Gary, you and the team over there having fun. Yeah, Pokey playing it every day. Just watched her play it today. That's always fun. Lupo's been playing it. We've got a lot of streamers playing it now, and uh, we just passed 5 million players today. So it's still somehow still still going. Every week we talk about it, Gary. Good job. Great job. Keep up the work. But this week we're going to talk about some really fun stuff because we're going to talk about Xbox receiving some awards over at DICE. Then we're going to talk about a fun little off-the-news segment. We're going to ask the question, what does an Xbox Game Pass family plan look like, and what you would want to see out of that service? Then after that, the question is, Fallout New Vegas 2. For real? Would that be awesome or what? Because this is the kind of funny X-Cast we post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m., West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget that here at Kind of Funny, we are now Epic Games partners, which means if you're buying V-Bucks from the Fortnite store or you're buying games off the Epic Games store, you can use our Epic Creator Code at checkout. It's no additional cost to you, and you can support the team in a brand new way. Use Kind of Funny at checkout for that Epic Creator Code. We'd like to thank our Patreon producers for the month of February for supporting us on the month over at Patreon. Thank you to Gordon McGuire, James Davis at James Davis Makes, Pranksky, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twinning, First Responder ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Of course, a big thank you to our XCast sponsors of the week, Purple Mattress and DoorDash, but myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, before we get into the news, I want to catch up and see what y'all have been playing because it's been a big release or a big release week of games. I know Paris has jumped into Destiny the Witch Queen, so I need to know all about it. Paris, Destiny 2 the Witch Queen, hot or not? Oh, it's on fire. Absolutely on go. fire. It's, it's in fuego because this, I, I said this on Games Daily earlier, it's the best Destiny's ever been. This is just the culmination of, you know, this game has been around since 2014, just all the highs and the lows and the lessons learned that they've had from a story and a campaign sta- a story and a campaign standpoint has culminated in this campaign that we've gotten with the Witch Queen and the way that they've integrated the story 
post campaign into what is it season of the rise i believe i might be screwing that up and just where you can see where it's going with all the various activities and the things that you're going to be able to do in this bringing the weapon crafting into this now has has been huge there's just so many different things to chase and do and we're not even at the raid yet right the raid i believe is coming march march 5th so that's going to add another layer on top of everything so yeah I'm, i'm very excited about it very happy with with how this turned out and like i said it's it's insane to me that i've been playing this game since 2014 and it just continues to get better was this just, a paid expansion paris or a free update? oh yeah oh no okay. no no this, no this is paid um witch queen standalone is 40 bucks i believe and if you got the deluxe edition with all the seasons it's 80 i think okay like that yeah i i jumped in with greg and we had a ton of fun and we are you know i i don't want to call us first-time players but we are the lapsed players jumping back in on the new expansion and it felt smooth to us to jump in and like kind of be guided i think on some previous ones there was more questions of like where am i supposed to go i'm kind of lost here this one really felt like it held my hand and was like this is where you go you're not going to get lost this time and i really appreciated that paris do you see that for first-time players like myself jumping in well and that's the interesting thing because i I, I try to look at it like me knowing the story and the lore and the characters and everything. It's just a continuation for me. So this has been building up for the last couple of years to get to Sabathun, the Witch Queen, which is where we are, you know, which is almost like the spiritual sequel to the Taken King from 2015 with Oryx. But if you're not familiar with those characters and you're coming in right now, it seems to me you're going to be like, who? What? Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there, there's going to be a lot of that from a gameplay standpoint. Everyone comes in at 1350 power, so there's an even playing field. Like you said, they're, they're giving you enough indicators so you can get from point A to point B during the campaign. I mean, obviously, some of the puzzles and things may seem new to you. They have changed some things up from, from what they've done in the, in the past. But I think even for a newcomer, it's comfortable enough to at least pick up the controller and start playing and immerse yourself into it. But if you actually want to get emotionally invested in this story, you're going to be completely lost because you're going to have no idea who Icor, what's Icor? You Ikea? You're not you're not going to know who that is, right? You know, things like that. So, yeah, there will definitely be a learning curve as far as the lore and the story goes. But from a gameplay standpoint, I think you'll be fine. Okay, I like hearing that. Let's get a couple more follow up questions. One is content, right? We talk about these big DLC drops, these big expansion drops, content does this feel meaty to you like me and greg did about three missions we probably went for about two and a half three hours and each mission felt pretty long it felt like there was a lot going on some different moments that really were like oh wow that's cool or some puzzle solving traversal mechanics with the platforming where do you fall on like is this meaty enough to get lost into for a couple of days weeks whatever oh absolutely because i mean i feel like you know i've been sick so i haven't played as much as i i've wanted to but I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface, um, just getting through the normal campaign. Like I told you right before we started, now I need to go back and do do the campaign on Legendary. So that's like another layer right there, which is going to be more loot that you can get. And then you actually go out in the throne world, uh, Sabathun's throne world. There's It's probably similar to the Dreadnought in that way that there's going to be all these different secrets and puzzles and things that you're going to be able to discover in that. I mean, this will absolutely hold you. Like if you're a new player coming to this, this will hold your attention for at least a good three four weeks just trying to actually understand everything that's going on and all the all the discovery that you're doing and like i said when the raid comes out 
that's a whole nother ball game, you know, in itself at that point. So, yeah, I, I think content wise, this is this is definitely worth the, the $40 entry point. And uh, like I said, I feel like they're just getting started with it. Plus, you know, there's going to be additional seasons throughout the year, adding more content and activities along the way. Paris, at what, at what point, because I'm, again, Destiny's like, I used to play it back in the day, but I haven't played it for a long time. But mm-hmm. I'm always, it's one of those worlds I'm fascinated to kind of hear about, even though I'm not involved in it. At what point did you think it makes sense for Bungie to like do Destiny three, or can they ju- or can they just like keep doing these DLCs and just keep Destiny two going? Here, here, here's a little secret. This is Destiny three. Okay, they're just not calling it Destiny three, but this is Destiny three. I don't don't be fooled at all. It is interesting. It's like I I've assumed once they broke from Activision, they would just drop the two all together and just call it Destiny, kind of like World of Warcraft. It would be right. Destiny colon whatever right moving forward because they're using the same engine they've obviously optimized it changed some things they have the vault now where they've cut content out so they can bring new content in and not have it too bloated but with all the different changes that they've done the rpg elements that they're putting in like i'm talking about the weapon crafting there's transmog in it now you know there's um mod slots like even the void 3 3.0 with the subclasses you're able to kind of customize and slot that as well i mean they're adding so many things into this this is not destiny 2 what destiny 2 was what 2017 this is almost an unrecognizable game compared to what that was back in 2017 so for, so in my personal opinion anyways all intents and purposes this is destiny 3 that we're playing right now yeah because it seems like with, with with live service games like this the, the, the old-fashioned concept of like destiny 1 2 3 like that is it almost does seem like that's kind of going out of fashion yeah it, it uh, doesn't even make sense at this point because and they've already laid out the long-term roadmap we're getting two more huge expansions um after the witch queen i forget what the second one is but the third one is going to be lightfall and that's going to kind of be the culmination of just this whole destiny saga that they've been doing and whatever happens after that, I guess we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, this, trust me, I'm, I, like I said, it blows my mind that I've been playing this since 2014 and they still are figuring out ways to keep me engaged and excited to want to jump back in and play. Well, we got to get you back on the couch and let you play <laughs> to uh, shake off the sickness. Over Go this take weekend. a nap. <laughs> Gary, I want to check in with you. What have you been playing this week? Have you been able to jump into some games? What have you been up to? So I had the best intentions to jump into Cyberpunk with the 1.5 patch. Yes, I haven't had a yeah. chance to do that yet because it is the kind of game where it's hard for me to, to to find the time to like, you know, okay, now I'm going to sit down and really get my teeth into Cyberpunk where that's the kind of thing where you've got to imagine that you can like block out a good two, three hours to really kind of have the experience. I don't know. I, the, the days of me having two, three hours, you know, in, in, at one stretch, that's long gone with with two kids and everything else like it's just I, i'm increasingly just playing games that i can you know just take a, a, a you know have a quick go at and i'll talk to you about that in a moment so i'm hoping this week this weekend instead will be when i finally start playing cyberpunk the one thing that i did get to do i don't know if paris saw this but uh, the thing that i wanted was digital foundry finally dropped their big comparison video where they did. Uh, did all the comparisons they did you know they compared the 1.5 patch on exist you know on the previous generation you know ps4 series x uh, sorry, uh, you know, 1X um, compared to the old patch. And it seems like even if you're on the older hardware, it was a pretty big step up. But the real big wow. step up, of course, was if you went to the next gen, you know, the current gen consoles, PS5, Series X and, and Series S, particularly on Series X. I was interested to discover that, you know, not that you would ever really know just in the course of playing, but the Digital Foundry guys, I think, were able to ascertain that, you know, when it really comes down to it, PS5 just ever so slightly, as a technical edge, like, you know, it, it drops frames, you know, like 
the Series X version will drop to like 58 frames for like half a second, but the, the PlayStation 5 will hold at 60. So you're never going to notice that. But like for the real kind of pixel counters out there, um, it does seem like there was just a tiny bit of daylight difference technically between the two versions. But when they were showing the older version, like on, I guess the most recent patch was like 1.23 or whatever that was running on the One X or even on the basically on this current hardware, with Series X running the 1.23 patch and then Series X running the new 1.5 patch, it was actually optimized for the hardware. Huge, huge step up. So as much as I was very pleased with myself on the show last week for having waited for this patch, I'm, I'm more pleased now because um, you know the, the, the proof is there that um, it's, it's a massive, massive step forward in terms of the performance for the game. So I'm excited about that now to finally uh, get into it. In the meantime, though, again, as I'm looking for like, you know, games that A, I can kind of just play little bite-sized chunks of and not have to commit hours at a time and B, things that I can play with my family, especially with my kid. I've been playing, this is the dumbest thing, but it's actually really fun. It's um, Breakout Recharged, which is one of, you know, Atari's been doing these kind of glow-ups of all their classics, you know, Centipede, Asteroids, uh, I'm, I'm uh, I think there's a few others. Breakout is the most, Missile Command, Breakout's the most recent one. And it, you know, it's exactly what it expects to be. It's basically Breakout, or if you ever played Arkanoid, <laughs> which is the fancier version of it, with little power-ups and things dropping down. That's really all it is, but you know what? Okay, Some, the, okay. the classics are classics for a reason. It's still fun to play. It's particularly fun in co-op mode when you've got two players down at the bottom with your little bats trying to keep the balls going. Multi-ball, explosive balls, all kinds of fun stuff that they added. Um, I've actually been really enjoying it. So uh, just a, 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 a quick game. I don't know what you're laughing at, Mike. I feel uh, like you're well, laughing at I me. Just, at first, Gary, I was like, what the heck game is it? And then Bear brought it up. I was like, oh, he's literally playing Brick Breaker from like the phone <laughs> games. Okay, Gary, I see it now. Okay, I'm okay. playing the original Breakout, which I, I, listen, I played it when it was on the Atari 2600. I'm on, I, I even had the little paddle controllers. Um and uh, it made me wish it's not ideal to play with a thumbstick. It actually made me wish, and this is a ridiculous thing to ask for on a wish list, but it actually made me wish that, I, that, that you could take the thumbstick. You know how like you, you, know, you move the thumbstick around in any direction, you can click it down. The one thing that I wish you could do is twist it, rotate it, because then it would be a paddle as well. Then you, it'd be perfect for games like uh, Breakout and stuff like that, or anything that requires that, you know, Missile Command, anything that requires that kind of movement would be really, really cool um so i've been having a lot of fun with it it's like go check it out it's in the it's in the store it's pretty cheap um and it's very very pretty and uh if you just want to like play like an old classic arcade game particularly fun in co-op mode i've been enjoying it a lot okay i like that you too that's awesome to hear i oh well uh, i have been playing elden ring i am 10 hours now into oh elden I, i'm ring. so glad you brought yeah, it i want to have this conversation yeah we'll talk about it and i'm having a ton of fun it's actually cool i have played elden ring for 10 hours and I've only played it co-op, just so everybody knows out there. I've not gone solo at all. I've done everything 100% so far co-op with a friend. I got to play with Miles from Windows Gaming Central. And, of course, Andy Cortez here, kind of funny. And I have to say, it's been an absolute blast to jump into a Souls-like game again. And, once again, I'm playing it co-op with friends, just laughing and having a good time. Now, there's a couple pieces. I want to, first off, give props and highlights. Co-op in Elden Ring because they really have elevated how you matchmake and team up with your friends. It's not perfect in any way, but it is actually much better than what it was throughout the previous entries of these franchises here. And then on the flip side, I will say the game is not built for co-op at all. So some of the bigger bosses you'll fight, they'll kick your butt and they'll probably 
kill all of you and your friends. But when you fight these smaller bosses in these smaller dungeons, um, it is just too easy. We are passing the boss back and forth, backstabbing them, and they have no idea what's happening. So it, it leads to a lot of laughing and a lot of fun. The challenge is definitely ramped down a lot playing co-op, but I'm loving the world. I'm loving the setting. The gameplay feels good. And more Elden Ring is just an absolute blast to jump into. What are your questions, Gary? Have you have you jumped in yourself? I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I do have it. I have it here on the Xbox. I haven't opened it up yet. I don't know if I ever will. The thing that I find interesting, and it, or at this point it's almost a little bit tiring, is any time one of these Soulsborne games comes out, and this obviously is, you know, from the developers of, of Dark Souls and Demon Souls and uh, Blood, um, is it Bloodborne and Sekiro and all these games that are, yeah. you know, one, they're brilliant games, but they're all, but they're all defined by the fact that they're notoriously hard and unforgiving and really targeted at like hardcore players who want like the most punishing challenge. You know, no difficulty level selectable or anything. There's no baby mode on these games. And you, whenever this, whenever these games come out, you always see a lot of people like me kind of bemoan the fact that, oh man, this game looks like it could be really cool, but I'm, but I, it's, I'm just, it's just not accessible to me because I'm just not up for that level of challenge. I have a skill cap, I have a hard skill cap, and, you know, and that this game exists above, mm -hmm. and I'm just never going to be able to play or enjoy. It, I don't think because it's just too punishing and like mm -hmm. trying fighting the same boss five hundred times, looking you know for a way to beat it. A lot of people really love that, right? And this game is for them, and I think it's great that that like players who really, you know, the sweaty tryhards, you really want like the hardest challenge possible. This game is going to scratch that itch. At the same time, it freezes a lot of players like me who, who don't have that level of skill out of, you know, exploring what, what otherwise might be a very fascinating world. And there's this discourse that rears its head every time one of these games comes out about whether or not these games do, you know, should have an easier mode or, or make themselves available to, um easy you know to players that don't have that skill level there's also a very big accessibility discussion going on right now because the game has almost nothing going on in the way of accessibility at a time you know in gaming culture where that is supposed to be something developers are really paying attention to so I, i'm very aware of you know i've been seeing um you know steven spawn and other people in that space you know really complaining about it and i think they've got a valid point even with that aside though just the difficulty uh, level issue i'm going to read you a tweet that uh i saw today from a friend of mine and she she plays a lot of games uh, well, Elden Ring is the worst. And she spelled that with like five S's to really kind of <laughs> emphasize her point. You have to collect golden piles of shit. And when you die, you have to go back and get all your stuff. What the fuck is fun about that? I'm not going to go back and get eaten by wolves 700 times before I uninstall this game. I give it five middle fingers. So, you know, there's 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 a very polarized reaction that you see to the that you see with these games. Right? I see Tamur, I see Jason Schreier, I see the other pl the players out there who are saying this is one of the best games ever made. And for people who who are at that level of challenge, for you know, the the, the difficulty level is calibrated for the kind of challenge that they want. It may very well be one of the best games ever made but it is also an entry point into this broader discussion of should should games like this make themselves accessible to uh players who don't have that level of skill level does that does that diminish the game somewhat or is it or is it okay for games to just say you know what this is a hard game for high skill level players and if that's not if that's not for you go play something else it's a discussion that comes up every time one of these games comes out and i'd be interested to hear what you guys think about it well, I'll say for me, because I, I had even uh, tweeted it out earlier in the week that Elden Ring isn't necessarily for me. But that's OK, because it, it kind of leans into the point that you're saying. That's the, the beauty of gaming. There is something out there for everyone. 
Um, I am in the camp that if you were to, I think the accessibility discussion is one thing. Let's put that to the side. But as far as the difficulty goes, to me, I think that would diminish the appeal of the game if you made it easier, right? So like I like I like Returnal as an example, right? The difficulty of Returnal is why I like playing it. So I take that into account with a game like Elden Ring. That's part of the appeal is because you're challenging yourself as a gamer to be able to see if you can accomplish the, accomplish, you know, the 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 challenge of the game, but that isn't necessarily for everyone, right? Like I I said it earlier today on Games Daily, I'll play Elden Ring eventually, but not right now. Um, there's just other things that I, that have my attention that I'd rather I, when I play Elden Ring, I want to give it my undivided attention because of the challenge and the difficulty of it, it that warrants it. So kind of like right now I'm playing destiny. When I go into the legendary campaign that that's difficult, that's a difficult level, but I do, I, I could also see the argument that people have, well, then why don't they just have an easy mode and you leave it up to the per- person to choose? Maybe that's not the vision of the developer. I don't think I, I, I see both sides of the argument and it's a very tough one because, like I said, I understand making a game accessible, but maybe it being difficult is the vision of that developer. They want to challenge you. They don't want to give you an easy mode. So that to me, that's up to the individual developer on how they want to handle those. Things. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's the interesting discussion. Like most games do have scalable difficulty, right? They you know, yeah. difficult, you know, easy, medium, super hard, super easy, whatever, because they want to appeal to as many people as possible. And I think in in those cases, the gameplay is such that you can scale. Like the, like the hard version of the game is no is, is not fundamentally different than the easy version of the game, but you can get again, it just it scales to those. Uh, experiences but if but if it's like baked into the fundamentals of your game design that it just has to be punishingly difficult i can understand why the designers might say yeah like it just compromises the vision of the game to make it easy even for some players no one's saying like bring the level of difficulty down so everyone can play it some people really want brutally difficult games right but maybe it's sometimes in certain cases it's just not possible to design a certain kind of game where the difficulty is the, the punishing difficulty is so baked into the design that an easy version is just not you know or an easy mode is just not what the game developers want but i do th- again to your point paris i think it's really important that we make the distinction between difficulty and accessibility right i right. i think if if these if miyazaki and these guys want to say look the game's just hard right and that's that's our vision if if that's not for you go play something else i think that's fine but accessibility is like if you ever if you ever watch like Steven Spawn play games, he's profoundly disabled, but he's really he's he's really good at games. Exactly. And yep. and and those two things aren't the same at all. So I think making a game really difficult is one thing. Making it inaccessible, that's something else. And I've let less forgiveness for that. I can see that. I for people out there with the difficulty spike, I would encourage trying the co-op with friends or reaching out and seeing if you can have somebody you're able to explore the world, take in some of the lore. I think the whole thrill of the game is that challenge, right, Gary? And like, I'm not getting any of that, right? It is me and Andy Cortez beating down all of these enemies in our way. And we're just laughing with minimal deaths or challenge at all. So I'm not getting the full experience, but I'm enjoying my time. Cause that's the experience that I truly want out of my dark souls playthrough is to share it with a friend who maybe is deep into the game, like Andy or some of my other friends who can share the lore and we can travel through the world. I can see the cool, crazy bosses and have an easier time beating them. Cause I know for a fact, I cannot 
go above that difficulty. It is far from my skill gap as well, Gary Winner. Yeah, and it's a bummer with certain kinds of games because like the world of Elden Ring, you know, um, George R. R. Martin and all this mythology and lore, it looks like a really fun world, but it's a world that is closed to me because I can't experience that world without also playing the game, which is just going to be too difficult for me. And I've had a bunch of people say to me, just try it, just try it. It might not be as hard as you think. Trust me, I know. It's like saying to me, just you know, you know it's like it's, it's like saying to me, like, do you want to play one-on-one basketball against LeBron? It's like, I, I don't, I, I don't need to try that to know that I'm going to lose. Like, I just, I just know that that is that's a level of skill that is way above mine. I mean, I probably, I mean, I've gone to the trouble of installing it. I probably will try, it, but I know I'm going to hate it. It's just not for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm what is known as a content tourist. I, I, I always put it on the easiest difficulty. I just want to have the experience, experience the story, play the world, have fun playing it, but at a level that's calibrated to my, you know, relatively low skill level at those kinds of games. So when something like Elden Ring comes along, I really, I honestly feel like a little bit of FOMO. Like everyone's talking about it. Everyone's enjoying it. It yeah, seems like yeah. a really beautiful world and like an epic experience, but it's, it's going to be closed off to me just because I, I can't meet it at the level of difficulty right. that it needs me to meet it at. Totally, Gary. And, you know, you talk about that price tag, that entry point of $60 to get in, right? We're going to talk in just a little bit about PlayStation Spartacus and game trials. And that's something I want to bring up to you and ask you, you know, what do you think about game trials? Is this something where maybe you would want to get X amount of hours in to try it, see if you would like it or not like it? So you save that money. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's roll in to Xbox at Dice. The Dice Awards just happened this week. And we want to give a big shout out. So of course, Greg Miller and Jessica Chobot for hosting that. You guys did great. And another big shout out to friends of the show and former co-hosts, Alana Pierce and Khalif Adams for both getting up on stage and presenting. You both did an incredible job. So shout out to everyone involved out there. But and we did sorry, get... don't forget our good friend yeah. Mike Drucker for writing all their oh, jokes. Yeah. Never Mike's forget Drucker. to credit the writers. There you go, Gary is white. I like that. Uh, but we want to give some credit to some teams over at Xbox for winning some awards right now. So uh, number of Xbox games that were awarded was Halo Infinite for Action Game of the Year and Online Game of the Year, Best Racing Game of the Year, Forza Horizon 5, Best Strategy Simulation Game of the Year was Age of Empires 4, and uh, we want to give a big shout-out because they are under the Xbox umbrella, Outstanding Achievement and Game Direction, Deathloop, and a one that we all loved, Game of the Year. It Takes Two takes the Game of the Year there, so congratulations to that team. Um, but then, of course... Phil Spencer got the big Lifetime Achievement Award, so congratulations to Phil. Awesome speech. I'm sure these guys and I will talk about it in a moment. And, of course, Dice Hall of Fame inductee Ed Boone. Congratulations to everyone and all the award winners and everybody nominated for a great night uh, in Showcase. But, Gary and Paris, I'll start with you, Paris. What did you think of the show, the awards out there, the speeches? Did you like what you saw from the Dice Awards this year? Yeah, I thought everything with, with Dice was was great. And uh, every award winner was was more than deserving um, that that did win. Um, but I will say, I, I said this <laughs> earlier too, no Psychonauts 2. So I'm, I'm a little bummed that Psychonauts 2 um, didn't, didn't win anything. Looked that came over out of again, Dice. you know. Yeah. It, it yeah. I feel the same way about the Artful Escape. Yeah, yeah. That, that's another great <laughs> one as well. But I mean, Phil getting that award, um, I mean, more than deserving at this point. Um I think we, we've seen over the past few years, his passion for this industry as a whole, not just Xbox. And I think that's the biggest thing to take out of this. He really has been a champion for making gaming more diverse and just welcoming for everybody, right? And, and everyone 
having the, the the respect that that should be given to them as a gamer no matter if if you're the greatest player in the world or or you're a novice just just walking in the door you're on the business side publishing game development marketing whatever the case i mean we're all one big community together right and to me his speech and what he was talking about really kind of encompassed that and, and that message of we're all in this together you know i all, all the little infighting and bickering we have over which piece of plastic you play on is, is, is becoming more trivial by the day, right? And it's about, sure, Microsoft has made all these big acquisitions, PlayStation made acquisitions, you know, there's all, the, all this stuff, but at the end of the day, who cares? It's just about the great games that we get to play, no matter where you get to play them. Just go enjoy them because there's so many fans, like we just talked about Elden Ring. Elden Ring might not be for me, but I understand why it's getting 10 out of 10s across the board, right? I understand why when when we get to the end of the year, it's most likely going to win game of the year. I get it. But that doesn't mean, I like I love Destiny, but not everyone's going to love Destiny, right? So it's that's the beauty of gaming. There, there's so many options and things out there for you. And I, and I really just think Phil winning that award and his speech that he gave a, gave afterwards um, was, was fantastic. Cause it really hit that message really hit home for me. I felt that too, Paris. And you said it so well, it was a really strong speech and a really great speech. Gary, did you get to watch? Did you see any standouts that you liked? I actually didn't watch the show live. I have two good, I have good excuses though. One, I was really stoned. Okay, um, that's a great excuse, Gary. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And then, and then the other one is, look, I don't get me wrong. I love Greg Miller, but I see a lot of him during the week. By the time mm, we get to yeah. like Thursday, eh, it's enough already. I don't need it. I don't need to see any more Greg Miller. Uh, but he always does. He always does a great job hosting the show. I was very glad. I mean, so I was watching. I was basically. I didn't have it on because I just. I don't think I could have. I, I don't think I could have focused on it. But I was watching like the Twitter feed. I thought it was funny that Wario sixty four was posting the winners like two minutes before the official dice account was. Like that guy's so fucking. <laughs> he's dialed a woge. In. He's, he's a woge so again. dialed in. Like yeah. he, he's, he's posting the winners before the official account. Um, but I was. It, it seemed like apart apart from you know everyone's every award show. It was like oh you know this got snubbed or that got snubbed. You guys obviously not thrilled about Psychonauts. I think Artful Escape should have. There's a couple of categories where where I felt like it was a more worthy winner than what uh, than than did win. But uh, nice to see Halo uh, doing well. You know, again, all the like Microsoft or, or basically their three big offerings this holiday or this past holiday: Age of Empires, uh, Forza, and uh, Halo, all doing well. But in terms of like the two main big ones, I was very glad to see uh, it takes to uh, get game of the year. It, I feel, I feel like it's, it's, you know, it seems to be cleaning up in terms of the, the, the big game of the year awards this year, which is wonderful to see what, 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 a, what a, just a masterclass in game design. It really is just incredible that game. Uh, and on the indie side, I was very glad to see unpacking uh, win the big prize. Cause that, you know, don't sleep on unpacking. That's a beautiful little game. And I believe, I think I'm right in saying it's on game pass, right? So there's no excuse. Really, really fun little game. And it's one of those games where you actually don't realize that there's actually a really beautiful little story attached to unpacking as well. So there's a lot going on with that game. Um, and uh, I was glad to see it get its recognition at the awards. Agreed, Gary. Unpacking is a special one. That is a, a really powerful game right there and uh, a lot of fun. So go check that one out. But guys, let's keep it going because this came up last week and got people excited to talk about it and have a discussion so we're going to go away from the news for a little bit, and we're going to bring up something that Paris brought up last week, and that is the Xbox Game Pass family plan idea and what you guys would like to see out of a family plan. And, of course, I want to start this off before the comments get after us and all that jazz. We're talking about a family plan here that you might see with a Spotify, Netflix, your Nintendo Switch online, not what we're currently doing, which is 
hey, Paris, make my Xbox your home account. You make your home account. <laughs> and we circumvent that whole thing. No, we're talking yeah. about a true, yes. easy, and like straightforward family plan here. And what we really want, of course, is you out there in the chat, in the comments, to let us know what you would like to see from an Xbox Game Pass family plan. What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the things that are must-haves? And so that's where I want to start off this conversation with, because... Paris, you, you started it off, and of course, unfortunately, you had to go early last week, but you got us all excited to talk about that. Let's kind of just reset the room here. The Xbox Game Pass family plan, what do you envision that being, and what are really your big wants and desires from it? So my vision on it's pretty simple. I don't know if this is considered selfish or not, but you know, myself and my three kids, we all game. We all basically have our own Xbox in the house that we can play a game on, right? with having game pass it only allows it i can play like i can play on one xbox and then i can have another xbox in the house where my gamer tag is logged in and i call it the home xbox yep someone on another profile can play game pass on it my oldest daughter i literally had to get her her own sub so she could play on her xbox right and then my son and my youngest daughter fight it out amongst themselves for the rest right but uh the perfect plan would be all right, if Game Pass Ultimate is, what is it, 15 bucks a month? $15. Give me a $20 a month family plan and allow four people to be, four people, four gamer tags to be associated with that. So you have like the quote unquote parent account, which would be me. And then I could say I have three other gamer tags that are now associated to that, right? And for 20 bucks a month, my entire household we all have access to Game Pass. I don't have to have my account as the home account on anything. Everyone can have to be individual doing their thing. And me being the parent, because I think this is where the, the family the family um, restrictions come in, the, the parental restrictions can come in. I can still regulate what they can access oh, on Game okay. Pass and what they can't, you know, things like that, and, and go from there. I, I think that would be ideal. I think a lot of people would be on board with that because it was interesting. We obviously saw people, hey, you can get around it by doing this or you can do it now. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm saying just straight up, here's what I pay a month. Everyone gets to access it in the household or at least up to four people get to access it in the household and they get to play whatever they want. That would be ideal to me anyway. So, and like I said, before I had to leave, I'm actually surprised they haven't done this yet. <laughs> to be honest with you, you would think they would have as much as they've been promoting Game Pass and how there's so many games on there, you know, for, for all ages to be able to play. It's another tier that's pricier. Sure. Look how many more people get to access it and take advantage of it. And like I said, build in the, the parental controls into it as well. I think it'd be fine. Gary, yeah, I want to bring it over to you now because it's fun. I get to talk with you both who are really a part of this, right? I'm just a single dude by myself i don't really share with anyone i don't have anyone else in the house of course we're going to talk about the caveats to that because i know all you people are yelling mike you can save money though and we'll talk about that but gary you have a similar situation with paris with of course your family and your daughter right so what do you envision the same thing as paris do you have any other pieces you'd like to add on to that yeah, I mean, first of all, don't even get me started with the family controls in general. It drives me crazy. So I'm, I'm similar to Paris, and we've got three gamers in the house, right? He's got two kids, and I've got my wife and my eldest. So there's, there's three people in the house that all actively play on the Xbox, on the PlayStation, and on the Nintendo Switch, and on the PC. We're all over the place. We, all, we play everything. Um, and I remember not too long ago, it was driving me crazy. I remember specifically the games. Well, I was trying to play Call of Duty uh, 
Black Ops Cold War, uh, when that first came out, I was playing it on the Series X on the big screen in my living room. We have a Series S in another room that my daughter wanted to play The Sims 4 on. Now, both of those games were purchased on my account. They both belong you know, to my account individually. Mm, yeah. And so if she tries to log in on the, on the other box with someone else's account, it you know, with her account. So, well, you don't own this game, Gary, you know, the, 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 you know, Gary Witter does or whatever. If she then tries to get it on my account, it's going to kick me off Warzone in the other room because I can't be, uh, I can't be playing yeah. two different yeah. games on this. It, it drives me nuts. And I'm, I, I know there are good reasons why they, I mean, all the, the, every PlayStation does this. Nintendo switch does this with the primary console on this kind of stuff. And we're constantly trying to figure out if we buy this game digitally, how exactly, like which console should we buy on? And it drives me crazy. And I don't know if there's a solution to the bigger issue of that, but with game pass, at least I feel like there is a way to at least solve the problem for the games that are within that ecosystem. And it's, it is just the family plan, whether it be 20 bucks a month, whatever the price point is, I actually mm -hmm. think they could probably be a bit, be a bit more generous than just four, uh, household members, the, the, the uh, Nintendo Switch expansion pack, which is their family plan, that goes up to eight. Uh, that, you can have up to uh, you can have up uh, to eight uh, different people. And they don't even have to all be in the same household. My sister in law and her uh, son, my my nephew, they're on our family plan. They live on the other side of the country. I just you know I'm the master, I'm the administrator of the family plan. I just added their Nintendo IDs, and they now have access to all the same stuff that we have. And uh, we're not, you know, Nintendo. That's not cheating or anything. Like you don't all have to be in the same household. Nintendo's like, yeah, just like you and eight, you know, seven friends, just whoever you want to give it to. And I think that's quite wonderful. And I think that I would like to see something similar with a family version of Game Pass. And it is a bit of a head scratcher. We talked about this last time. That they the, Game Pass is so great, right? We we always go on about how great it is, and they check so many boxes with it. The 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 lack of a family option just seems like really like. I feel like there must be some reason. It's not like they didn't. It's not like Phil Spencer's watching this now, going, "Oh God, yeah, we forgot." Like, oh, I left the gas on. Like, I forgot to do a family pass. He's like, "There's got to be a reason why they haven't done it yet." It might be something to do with how Game Pass's licensing agreements work with developers or publishers or whatever. I'm sure there's there's there's, there's got to be a reason why they haven't just flipped that switch because you know why? Otherwise, why not do it? It's, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, I suspect it's something they that they're working on and will figure out. I'll be very grateful when they do do it. Again, it's only going to cover game games. It wouldn't have helped me with Warzone and um, Sims Four because those games, you know, are not on. We're not on Game Pass. So for game, I still feel like there needs to be a better solution for families that have multiple consoles and multiple accounts. But a, a, a Game Pass family solution would go at least some way towards solving the problem. I, I guarantee you, anyone who is a parent who has got kids in the house or just any any situation where you've got you know housemates or whatever, there's more than one person playing the games or more than one console in the house at some point you've had this issue oh it won't let me play on this console or it says i'm not signed into the right account or whatever it drives me crazy um and i, I don't know what the solution is but it, it's it's one of the biggest bugbears that you have if you're in a household with multiple gamers multiple consoles and um i hope we can get to a point uh, at some point in the future when it's just not an issue anymore paris and gary you guys bring up the price right and i want to tie the price into the content. Let's ask the question, of course, we know that Game Pass Ultimate gets you the PC, the console, and the cloud, right? And Paris, you and I, we enjoy the cloud, right? Are you seeing each family member in this family plan getting essentially the full Game Pass Ultimate package? Are they getting all three options here? Of I would say so. Whoever they can yeah. play with that style? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be the ideal scenario, right? Where you're okay. saying doesn't, because... Think of it that way. Maybe like I, I was saying, if it was four people, 
not everyone's going to have four Xboxes in their house. Everyone's going to have a, a, an iPad or or a mobile device or like we we keep talking about. They're eventually going to put it put an app on your smart TV, right? You're opening up to more platforms inside the family household to be able to take advantage of of playing games on it. This is why I think it makes makes a lot of sense to have it be ultimate if you're if you're going to do a family plan and everyone that's on it, you have access to cloud streaming, Xbox, PC, the whole thing. Yeah, I like that too, Paris, because in a lot of these households, maybe they're moving from one generation to the next. Maybe they still have the Xbox One for the living room. Yeah, they got the Xbox too. Series X. Hey, you can stream cloud, you know, next gen games onto this one. It still has that kind of power and that draw on the content side as well. Are we, you know, Paris, you bring up the whole package, right? I guess another one I would ask with licensings and all that. Do you anticipate this being everything, right? We're talking first party day and dates. Oh, yeah. The third party partnerships. You you want all that as well, too? I, yeah, I would say so. You're just giving everyone that's in your family the, the full experience of, of what Game Pass has to offer. I don't see a reason why you would limit it just because you're on a family plan. It should be it should be all or nothing, in my personal mm -hmm. opinion. But again, going back to what Gary was saying, there has to be a reason why they haven't done it yet, because it's not like we're the first people ever to think yes. of this. So I'm sure they've had those discussions and whatever legal or license reason that's happening right now is why um, they've not done it. And I hear my children right now. So you guys keep talking. Yeah, I, will I will be right talking. back. So be right back. <laughs> uh, Gary, I will say, of course, I was doing the research behind this throughout the week. And I know that, of course, this question was asked to Phil. Phil has responded. You know they're talking about it like you two have said. I want to continue that with you, Gary. What if, let's say, Team Microsoft came out and was like, hey, Gary, we got the family plan, but it's only going to be Xbox first party games. That's all we're going to give you. Would you be all right with that? Are you kind of like Paris where it's like, give us the all or nothing situation here? I'd, I'd have to take a look at it at that point. I, I Obviously, that would make it to me a lot less interesting. I can understand why that might be a workaround because obviously they have complete control over their own first-party titles. Once you start dealing with third-party developers, again, that can become more complicated. But again, Nintendo's figured this out, right? Nintendo's family plan, Nintendo Switch Online family plan um, works with everything. It's not just Nintendo first-party games. There's all kinds of third parties and indie games on um, uh, uh, their service. And I don't see why it, would, why it wouldn't apply to everyone. I guess with, with Nintendo Switch Online, it's less, less to do with like, if you buy this game, everyone on your account's gonna, gonna have access to it. It's more about just being able to access the online services. So I don't know, it's, I, I, I feel fairly certain that this is something that Mike, again, it's not a, 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 a situation where Microsoft just not, the thought has not occurred to them. It's, it's the solution is not, it's it, it's it's an easier said than done type situation to just flip the switch on on family plan in terms of all the third party developers and everyone that they're working with. So um, I hope they figure it out. I think it would be a tremendous value add. I think you know their big thing right now is all they care about is selling Game Pass subscriptions, right? That's their mm -hmm. number one thing. And adding a family plan would would obviously be you know a great boon to that. So it's obviously something they want to do. Um, and I suspect we will probably see it soon, especially now with Sony coming out with its offering uh, sometime, presumably uh, this year. Uh, it's just going to escalate the arms race, and you know Microsoft are going to be even more, uh, you know, incentivized to make sure that Game Pass is as attractive as possible. Family plans are a really nice way to ton of add, add a ton of value to it. Well, thank Can you, I, Gary, for yeah, go Pairs. Oh no, quick. I was actually just going to say. Um, 
can we pivot into uh, into the Spartacus talk? That's actually what I'm just about to do. Right okay. after this quick ad break, we'll talk more about PlayStation Spartacus and Game Pass. See you in a moment. Your to-do list is absolutely bonkers between those meetings, errands, chores, and making sure you get some you time too. So make sure you get a little time to yourself with some help from DoorDash. DoorDash brings you what you want to eat right now, right to your door. Desperately craving late night snacks? Or have you forgot one key ingredient for dinner? Or maybe you just want to stock up for the week? Well, DoorDash has it all in one app. How do I know so much about DoorDash? Well, I'm Greg Miller, and I use DoorDash way too much. Uh, if you were watching the Kind of Funny podcast, when we were talking about a whole bunch of different stuff, Nick mentioned the ice cream place you really like, and I said, where is there one around me? And I said, yes, there is, and I ordered from it, and I had it on the post show. I was eating ice cream on the post show, giving you a review of the ice cream, all because of DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code KINDAFUNNY. That's 25% off, up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code kind of funny. Don't forget that's code kind of funny for 25% off your first order with DoorDash subject to change terms apply. I don't care how soft or firm your mattress topper is. I don't even care how heavy your blanket is. There's only one thing you need to get a good night's sleep and that's a good mattress. Get the only thing you truly need for a great night's sleep a purple mattress. Only purple mattresses have the gel flex grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. It's amazingly supportive and cushioning in all the right places, no matter how you sleep. How do I know so much about it? Well, of course you've known for years, Joey's used a purple mattress. You know, Tim uses the purple pillow. And now the future class of video games, blessing Eddie Oye Jr. is sleeping on a purple mattress. And he tells me all the time, it keeps him cool, comfortable, and gives him a great night's sleep. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash kind of funny and use the code kind of funny. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kind of funny. Code kind of funny for 10% off your order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kind of funny. Promo code kind of funny. Terms apply. All right, guys, let's pivot into that. That's a perfect little segue because Jeff Grubb, uh, our good friend from uh, Grub Snacks, of course, has detailed or given us a general outline of what gamers could expect from PlayStation Spartacus. And Paris, I'm going to let you take it away because I'm sure you saw this. You talked about it today. W- give me give me the rundown of what you're seeing on Spartacus and the uh, uh, initial what could be the outline, I guess. Okay. And, and again, this is all alleged. This is not mm-hmm. final until, until Sony, until PlayStation actually comes out and says it. So we're just speculating on, on the rumors at this point. But basically, Spartacus is going to be three tiers. You're going to have what is your... What is it? Essential. I don't have it in front of me, so I, I apologize. Essential, but, extra, and premium. Yeah. So essential is just PlayStation Plus as we know it today, 10 bucks a month. Then there's the $13 a month tier, which is going to give you PlayStation Plus plus the game catalog, I believe it was. Right. Then you have the $16 tier, which is PlayStation Plus, the game catalog, cloud streaming, and classic titles as well. When I look at, look at this, I personally don't see a reason for that middle tier it doesn't make sense to me you're either just going to get the basic playstation plus or you're going to get the 16 dollars one because you're going to want access to the to the streaming and you're going to want access to these classic titles as well the other thing that i take out of this which is to go for what gary was saying before the break i actually don't think this is a game pass competitor at all this mm, is okay. them just this is them essentially just saying hey let's combine playstation plus with with ps now and let's give everyone in the high tier access to cloud streaming 
and our back catalog of classic titles. That's what this looks like to me. This this is not a, a, a direct compete day and date, you know, games, big third party games coming day and date like Game Pass at all. So in that sense, PlayStation is just doubling down on what they already do best, right? And they're not trying to say, hey, we want to compete with what Xbox is trying to do with Game Pass. That's that's how it looks to me. And obviously all this is still speculation subject to change we'll see what it officially looks like when uh playstation uh officially announces it yeah it's interesting paris you bring up that middle section right of playstation plus extra monthly games and a game catalog and it's interesting because like right now playstation plus and baird i know you are over with the playstation team all the time i believe it's just the monthly games right because all their online is free anyways right barrett so it is interesting to see that uh i think it might be online as well. I'll double check that. Double check that. But yeah, I thought PlayStation was the one before Xbox to go to free online stuff like that. But yeah, Paris, I look at that and I go, oh, okay. I, and my mind was like, well, if it is a Game Pass competitor, we're going to have a battle for third-party titles, right? Is that going to mm -hmm. be the next arms race of now EA Play and, of course, Ubisoft and all these different titles? We're going to have a up-and-down affair of who's going to get it, who's not going to get it. And also, you and I and Gary... As gamers on Xbox, of course, we also game on PlayStation. Is this going to be a nice little kind of like, you know, side to what I already do with Game Pass, right? Because for me, when I look at my PlayStation, I would like that first party lineup to be in a, a service myself. I know that's probably not what they're going to do because you said it so well, uh, Paris, during Kind of Funny Games Daily is they don't have to do that. Those games already sell so mm -hmm. well. They're the exactly. best of the best. They don't need to do that for me. But that's what I want. Gary, you brought up game or game trials and like trying out games. That's going to be included in this. What do you think that offering is? Is it similar to EA really Play with do, ten hours? Yeah. Do you want the PlayStation Plus offering of like what it is right now? Yeah, lay it on me. What is it? So yes, yeah, so you get the monthly games, which is usually you know three to five uh, games every month, depending on the the platform and stuff like that. Between I think uh, PS4, PSVR, PS5. Uh, online multiplayer is also a component. Um, I think some of the free-to-play games, I think, uh, circumvent that. Like, I think Fortnite, you don't need to have PlayStation Plus. Um, I, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis on that front. Uh, you get, let's see, uh, member discounts. So, like, when things go on sale, when there's, like, a summer sale, you know, there's the regular discount. Then there's the PlayStation Plus discount, which usually uh, chops off a little bit more of that uh, price for, for people there. There's also cloud storage um, for, I think, uh, game progress and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think that's available for anybody else except for PlayStation Plus subscribers. So there is a good amount that, uh, that you get with PlayStation Plus. Um, although okay. I do think in comparison to what other platforms offer and stuff like that, I, I do think I still think it's a little lacking. Gary, what, what do you think of this uh, supposed lineup right now from Jeff Grubb for this offering? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it right there. First of all, it's Jeff Grubb, right? So consider the source, you know, obviously <laughs> highly spurious source of information. <laughs> Got him. Uh, but um, I, I mean, listen, assuming this stuff is accurate, maybe we maybe we got a little bit carried away assuming that this was going to be Sony's like full on, you know, one to one Game Pass competitor. I think many of us assumed that's what it was going to be um maybe it's not maybe it's just going to be like playstation plus plus i don't know you think about it for, for this to be 
a true one-to-one game, pa- game pass competitor, this is what would have to happen. Jim Ryan would have to come up and, and unveil it and say, yes, and for $15 a month, you get all of this. Oh, and by the way, when, if you, in six months from now, when God of War Ragnarok comes out, that's baked into your subscription. And so is the next Uncharted, and so is the next Last of Us, and so is the next, you know, all the other, you know, PlayStation Studios titles that we do, all the first-party stuff. Um, it's not it's not that, right? And so, no. we, we, it's it's looking like it's not it's not gonna be that. And so until they add that, until they until they until they bring, you know, like, so, like Microsoft's brought all of its first party big, you know, Forza, uh, Halo, Age of Empires, and now all of the Bethesda and all that stuff is all baked in. Until Sony is doing that with its big first party titles, this isn't a Game Pass competitor. And it isn't a Game Pass Ultimate competitor until they say, Oh, by the way, all of our big Sony titles like God of War. Uh, like Uncharted, that are also on PC. Uh, you're gonna, you, we will throw that in as well. So un- until they go all the way, I don't think you can call this a game part. You, you can call it their equivalent or whatever, but it's not going to be like a true competitor until until they're willing to like really bring to the table what Microsoft currently is with Game Pass, which is key first per- party titles, uh, PC stuff as well, and again a massive library of third party stuff. And again, we talked last week about how it's not, it's, it won't be fair to judge whatever this is on day one compared to what Game Pass has evolved into because they have a huge, huge head start. But we'll know right away if they're going to if they're gonna say, oh, yeah, and this is going to include big um, big first-party titles like God of War Ragnarok. I don't think it's going to be that. Uh, but that, but, the, and, 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 but unless it is that, I don't think we can really consider this the, the true game, the, the Sony's true answer to Game Pass. So let's go off of it right now. Paris Lilly, are you subscribing to this $16 tier when it releases? If it's not first party titles, I, I don't think so, um, okay. because the, the classic titles would be the, the big hook mm-hmm. for that. For me, I don't necessarily think I need that. So I, I would because I already have PlayStation Plus, I would just stick with the, the normal tier of PlayStation Plus, because that, that's enough for me on, on what you're getting from it, because um, the, the, the streaming, the cloud streaming and all of that, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to take advantage of that on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wouldn't see a reason to be able to do it. Gary, what are you throwing down sixteen for this right now? Again, I wait. Until, I will wait and see to what the act to see what the actual yeah. offering is. Like, how many classic games? What are they? Um, and you know, what what exactly am I getting for my for my money? I don't know. I mean, probably I have PlayStation Plus now. I barely use it to be honest with you. It's just you know, I know that if I want to jump online and play a game, it's it, it's nice to know that it's there, uh, just kind of ticking away away in the background. But in terms of I, I think I said before, like if this really is Sony Game Pass, I'm all over it, you know, because I, you know, I, I love all those Sony first-party titles. But again, that's a key part of what Game Pass is, right? All like Halo, Forza, all the big, you know, key Microsoft uh, Xbox franchises. I don't think Sony's going to go that far. They they may well think that in the market position that they enjoy, which is still the, the market leader, they don't need to go toe-to-toe with, with Xbox on this. That may end up being strategically a big mistake. Game Pass might ultimately be what um, you know flips the, the the narrative in this in this console uh, 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 fight that's going on. And you know, maybe <laughs> years from now we'll be talking about how oh, I remember when remember when Xbox took over because Game Pass was so good and Sony had no answer. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but Sony I think is willing to to bet on that that Game Pass not being the game changer that you know. Again, a lot of us are arguing arguing about whether it is or not, but it is looking increasingly like Sony does not feel like they need to match. Uh, the Game Pass offering uh, punch for punch. I mean, think about how seismic it would be if they did that. So yeah, God of War Ragnarok 
It's all baked into your subscription. Last of Us Part 3, yep, you're going to get that too. The next, um, and the thing is, it would actually be even more amazing because Sony, I think, still has better first-party uh, games. You know, they, they all this amazing stuff that they have, these, exclu these epic, you know, Horizon, all these things that they, they say exclusive to Sony. If they baked all of that into, into Sony Game Pass, it would be incredible. I just don't think they think they need to do it, and I, you know, it seems increasingly like they won't do that. You put Agreed. in day and date first party games. I'm there. Right. Oh I'm I'm interested in if they do that. And I'm also interested in if they do create a true game pass alternative when we get the arms race for third party titles and what that looks like. Right. I, I am really interested to see that battle and that back and forth of who would get what. But let's keep it moving, guys. Let's stick with our buddy Jeff Grubb, Mr. Gary Witter, because Jeff Grubb has some more news for you and it's a possible fallout new vegas 2 with obsidian so in the latest episode of his show grub snacks this is coming from GameSpot by auto uh on our sister site giant bomb jeff grub claimed that there are ongoing talks at microsoft that could lead to obsidian creating a sequel to fallout new vegas in the episode jeff grub said quote this is very early but people have begun to have talks and say these words and sentences and these words are obsidian new vegas 2 we're talking years and years away there's at least an interest and conversations happening about making something like that actually a reality end quote gary widow we've talked about obsidian we've talked about new vegas it's a big fan favorite people love this one do you want to see fallout new vegas 2 from a very busy obsidian team so this is another another bit of a blind spot for me. I haven't really. I think Fallout Two was the last one I played. I never never oh, actually wow. played Fallout Three. Wow! And I Gary, never played New Vegas. It. And I know, I know, I know. You don't need to lecture me about it. I get it. Now that they're all on Game Pass again, I could. It might be time for me to finally go uh, play them. But I know, I, I know enough about it to know that in particular, New Vegas is very, very beloved. Right? Probably even mm -hmm. more than Fallout three itself people just love new vegas it's 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 very held in very high regard and so yeah absolutely why not like you know it's it's such a treasured title i think you know people would be so excited to see um it being brought back to that world with obsidian like the whole package it makes a ton of sense obsidian again just proved how good they still are at this like, i always get wilds and worlds mixed up which one is the obsidian one it's worlds worlds, worlds. Yeah, out worlds. of worlds mm -hmm. out of worlds and again a very very similar you know style you know funny irreverent you know big open you know kind of world and all kinds of fun shit to do like this they're still very very good at this stuff and so i think that it makes you know who wouldn't want that right i think it makes a ton of sense so i completely and then on this one occasion I'll give Jeff Grubb the benefit of the doubt and think, yeah, mate, this, there, there could be some truth to this one. <laughs> we'll give some love to Jeff on this one. I like that. Paris, we're in this new age of, we don't want to go back to the old. And yes, this is very beloved. And we'll talk about that in a second. But people want new IP. And of course, Obsidian is really pushing that right now with a couple of their titles. They have Avowed. They have Outer Worlds 2. They have Grounded. They even have a possible another franchise or game coming into the mix. Do we really want to go back to old IP, even though it is Fallout New Vegas? Yes and no. Okay. okay. Um, I, I say that because they are doing Avowed, right? Mm -hmm. The Outer Worlds is this new established franchise they have now. We know we're getting a sequel from that. So if they have the manpower and the resources to also, and, and let's be clear, if Fallout New Vegas 2 comes, to, what, 2027 at this point, 
even if they started on it right now properly um i'm fine with it because in my and, and again gary you should definitely go back and play fallout 3 in new vegas new vegas in my personal opinion is the best of all of these modern fallout games that that, that we've had um so yeah to see obsidian be able to go back and do a, a vegas 2 i mean sign me up I'd, I'd be all for it i would i would love to see it and you know with the realization it's not coming anytime soon like i'm excited to see what they're going to do with avowed because that's obsidian with their own original ip rpg let's see them stretch their legs and see what they can do now that they're a part of xbox game studios you know what i mean so um yeah if they want to I mean, do vegas too and we're going to get it five six years from now works for me when you say do you, do we want to go back to these old franchises this is what xbox just spent billions of dollars on is these franchises right they, they are yeah, going to want to go yeah, back and, and mine these and it doesn't necessarily mean you know fallout i mean i'm sure it does mean fallout 5 but it could also mean new vegas 2 or I, I i hope they call it new new vegas i think that would be funnier but yeah. Either, yeah. <laughs> either way you know the, the they've got these vast libraries now to mine and again new vegas may be an older game but it's, it's just, yeah, we all know uh, just how how beloved that is like you talk to people that are into fallout new vegas and they, they just like oh my god new vegas there was so many good memories of it that i to me if you're going to go if you are going to go back into the fallout um canon i think i think it makes a lot of sense you know a lot of the fallout fans are going to be excited about this news because they did have a little bit of a letdown when you look at the big roadmap of bethesda proper right you know that we're on starfield this year and then after that will be elder scroll six and then way down the line will be the next fallout. So we have a long time before the next big fallout. So it is something where a lot of fallout fans will get excited. The idea of obsidian, maybe filling in the gap would be nice. If you said to gamers, especially people that are into fallout, would you rather have fallout five or new Vegas two? What do you think would be the more popular choice? New, new Vegas, Vegas two. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which actually brings me to, to the question I, I was just thinking of, uh, since we know Bethesda, when I say Bethesda, I'm talking Todd Howard's team. They're doing Starfield now. We know their next is going to be Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, the fact that they're already talking New Vegas 2 and Obsidian, is it realistic to say at this point that Bethesda may not make another Fallout game again? I mean, because if you think about it, Bethesda making a Fallout game at this point, we're we're well into the 2030s at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see Microsoft not taking advantage of the Fallout franchise until Bethesda's ready to make another one again. So I yeah, I very well could see Obsidian or some other internal studio it being handed off to them and letting them do it at this point. Um, and don't forget they still have Fallout 76, which is still ticking over, right? I don't know how popular well, it is, but it's well, still going. They're still servicing well, it. Well. <laughs> what? Well, do you think it's not going to last much yeah, longer? Let's, let's let's make a new Fallout, Gary. Yeah. Hold on. To be fair, Fallout 76 had a very, very rough launch, but didn't they kind of write the ship on that one eventually? That's what I was gonna say. So they did write the ship, uh, because I don't know if you remember it last year. This must have been around the summertime. I gave Fallout 76 a fair shot. I jumped in and started playing on Xbox. And it just it's it's it just it's not grabbing me. It it feels and again, you haven't played these modern Fallout games. It, it shares too much with Fallout 4, for me, anyways, where I just didn't enjoy it. Whereas with Fallout 3 and, se- and, and not 76, but Fallout 3 and New Vegas, the stories were very compelling. 
I love the vats. Like there was things about it that I truly enjoyed. Four poured me to tears. And I kind of felt that same way with 76 when I jumped in. It just never grabbed me. It just felt boring to me. So I see some people that will will live and die by it, but I see a lot of other people in the community that just share that same sentiment where they're like, yeah, it's not a buggy mess anymore, but it's not, it, it just is. It's, it's, it's not a fun thing to do either. And I know they're still making content for it and they're not going to give up on it anytime soon, but I don't see me returning to it at this point. I'd rather get a standalone Fallout game, single player Fallout game, and just do that instead of this, this shared online experience. I'm looking. I just, I, I just, I just brought up my Xbox app, and I typed it in. It's right here. Fallout New Vegas Ultimate Edition included with Game Pass. The install button is right there. Maybe I do need you, to finally bite yeah, the bullet. Yeah, smash that, stream it, go have fun with everybody. Because yeah, another one that everybody loved was it went to the West Coast, right? Fallout predominantly on the East Coast with all the proper ones. Everybody loved going over to the West Coast and seeing what that looked like with New Vegas. So go give that a check out, and of course. We want to know out in the comment section, along with the Game Pass family plan, would you like to see Fallout New Vegas 2? Where would you like it to be placed? And of course, what are some of the things you want to see? Guys, let's round out with one final topic. And this is going to be from our best friends out there, the viewers and the listeners over here. This is coming from D-Block. Thank you, D-Block, for writing. And he says, hi, Gary, Paris, and Mike. I have a question for all of you. When do you think we'll start seeing the fruits of Xbox Game Pass Studios labor and which of the projects in development are you most excited for? Thank you for great times in 2021 and I can't wait to see what y'all got for us in 2022. Peace, love, and hype to all. Thank you, GTP D-Block. Paris, I saw you smile there. You had the smirk and I know you're thinking of the fruits of labor now and of course I know you probably have something in your back pocket you're excited for but when do you think we will see that final moment that Matt Booty and the team have talked about that we've brought up before as well? Well, I think a couple things. I, I think COVID has pushed things back. So what I think probably should have been 2023 is really probably going to be 2024. Because remember, Matt, Matt Booty's vision that he said on, on the Gamecast instead of here. I don't know why he didn't come here. He went there. <laughs> but um, what he said on Gamescast was they want to get to the point where they're putting out game every quarter, right? So there's just a consistency of things coming out of Xbox Game Studios every quarter. I don't think we get to that until 2024. Um, the games that I'm anticipating to see, see this fully realized is going to be For- Forza Motorsport, Perfect Dark, and Avowed. Those are the three games that I want to see realized out of this and this this vision of of what they're trying to do with all these acquisitions of these studios, um, because I think Turn Ten has has a fantastic opportunity to just be the definitive sim racer if they do this right. Because I remember when they originally unveiled this on, on Gamertag Radio, we talked we were talking with Aaron Greenberg, and he talked about Forza Motorsport is is going to be like a platform now, right? where moving forward, they're just going to iterate on this game that, that that's coming out and keep adding to it. So I'm excited to see what that is. Like I already said about Avowed, this is an original RPG coming from Obsidian, backed by the QA and funding and everything that you could want from Microsoft. I'm excited to see what that's going to be. And then Perfect Dark, look, we know Crystal Dynamics is involved now, but this is the initiative. Um, they have great ambition on what it's going to be. I want to see it. I want to see what what comes of come come of 
what comes of this. I can't even say it. But, um, you know, the rest of the stuff, I, you know, we know we're eventually going to get a Gear 6. We know all the Bethesda sequels that are coming. We obviously Activision's coming on board. So there's going to be a ton of stuff. Compulsion Games is actually another one. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do. Um, coming out of all of this as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential with so many studios on board, but I don't think we truly start seeing that consistent flow of games coming from them until probably 2024. And yeah, COVID's a part of it, but same time, it it, it just takes time to make a lot of these games and we don't want them rushed. We don't need Battlefield 2042. I'd rather them just take their time, get it right. Like I said, probably 2024, hopefully you know, Redfall and Starfield this year, you know, starts to kick it off and, you know, we, we get something special with both of those games. Gary Witter, what are you most looking forward to? The title out there that you want? You'll have to forgive me. I got a little bit thrown off there. In, 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 my, in my attempt to, to start the install process on Fallout 76, I somehow accidentally <laughs> started Football Manager 2022. Oh, even, I, spent, I spent the last no, 90 seconds no. trying to get it off my um, screen. You didn't mean to do that. I know you pressed Football Manager. I did not. I don't even <laughs> know what even happened. I'm, that suddenly, like, that is, I'm trying to quit the fuck you out got, of it. You got really, I really should mess with my I computer while I'm, while, I'm, while I'm podcasting. Let that be the lesson. Um, sorry, was, was the question in general, like what, what in general games I'm looking forward to? What Xbox projects are, that are in development are you most excited for, Gary? What are you most excited for? <sighs> like things that I know. All of the ones that I'm most excited about are the ones that you haven't announced yet. Like, you know, you know okay, I want that. Okay. Got to check the box. We can't, do a, we can't do a podcast, the next cast without talking about Banjo. I want my Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, I like that, I like that, I'm, Gary. I'm I, still, I still think that now that they own Activision, <laughs> they can do the let's, let's, uh, let's cross over Crash and, and Banjo and, and Conquer and bring them all together. Like I want, I, 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 I want, I want to see some kind of like you know, like Avengers assemble type moment uh, mm. that, that, that that could really blow us all away. In terms of the, I, I guess it's got to be Starfield, right? Because you know, I, I loved Mass yeah. Effect so much, and I, I, I still talk all the time about how I just would want to spend time in that world, and I would go to every planet and read every Codex entry, and just love being immersed. I would just go hang out in Afterlife nightclub and just like be in, just vibe, and just be in that world. Um, I'm hoping Starfield is going to offer that same level of immersion and that sense of not just playing a game, but going to another place. And uh, I feel like that's the biggest one out there right now that has the potential to, to, to offer that. Short of the other Mass Effect game that we know is farther down the road, you know, the, the, the full next one, um, that's, that's what I want. I want, an, I want another game that is just going to completely like, draw me into its universe. And I, Starfield obviously has the potential to do that. We still don't know enough about it to know what what kind of experience it's really going to offer. But it's obviously going to be vast in scale, and I think hopefully offer some of that kind of Mass Effect uh, lose yourself type experience. That's what I want. Okay, I'm going to go with two. My first one is actually a third party partnership, and that's with Avalanche Studios oh, and yeah, Contraband. Yeah. I mm -hmm. want to know what Contraband is all about. We've seen some conversations with Jez Corden from Windows Central talking about it's going to have a really mainstay on vehicular combat and actually like subduing your, you know, enemies and people chasing you in this awesome heist video game instead of like guns and killing people. And so I am excited to see what Avalanche Studios and Xbox are teaming up to create with Contraband. I think that's a big one. And then on the Xbox side, I think the biggest game for me that has the most potential of being like awesome and great and something that's going to, you know, possibly be a flagship or just kind of sail by and just be either medium or a flop is perfect dark. I think this is a big one to me in my mind of like, how do you make this game great? 
exciting and like awesome to people all around the globe and get that franchise back and running again. Cause I think fable has it a lot easier. People know fable. They love fable. And I think they'll give that one a pass and really enjoy it. I think for perfect dark, it's going to be one of those where it's either going to be awesome. And this is going to be that one game we all have been looking for from Xbox to really put up and show, or it's going to be one that's going to like come by and just float by right afterwards and never talk of again. So perfect dark, you're on my radar of being a hit or a flop out there. I'm, I'm wondering what that could be. Let me let me ask you a question, Mike and Gary yeah. too. When do you think we get Hellblade two? I wanted it this year because I really wanted to take it for the draft. But I do think we get Hellblade two next year. I think we see it. I'm going to go with spring 2023, first quarter 2023. See it at E3 gameplay again. Get hyped up at the Game Awards to end the year of 2022 and we released in february or march 2023 yeah i'm i'm kind of of the same mind this is probably a a Q, late q1 q2 2023 game at this point but the reason I, i'm i'm saying that because as you're talking and we're we're just we're just kind of thinking about this overall this is actually whatever do you want to call it e3 the xbox activision bethesda showcase whatever it's going to be called that's coming this summer. It's probably one of the bigger ones that they they've going to have in recent memory, just for the fact that I think this does need to set up the next couple of years for them on Ooh. what people can expect. Because I mean, look, we already know about Redfall. We already know about Starfield. Forza Motorsport might be this year, might not. We know Hellblade Two is coming at some point, twenty twenty three. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess what is it? Not Stalker. What what am I thinking? Um, not, I keep wanting to say Stalker 2, but it's not Stalker 2. State of um, Decay? State of, there you go. State, State of Decay. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. We, yeah, we know that's probably 2023 as well. But this is why I'm saying I'm more anticipating 2024 because I don't know what else we're getting in 2023. I'm also I'm really thinking the meat of their games are really going to start coming out 2024. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they could get out on that stage, you know, this summer and show us all the stuff that's coming. And, you know, in the in the next, you know, nine, nine to 18 months, you know, and people can get excited about it. So, I mean, we'll we'll see. But it it, it it's starting to get to the point where you got to start. You need to put up or shut up when it comes to mm-hmm. Xbox Game Studios. Right. Because we see all the acquisitions. We 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 know that they're all working on stuff. Now we got to start seeing it. And you not that you got to put an exact date on it, but at least kind of give us a gauge on when you think these things are going to be coming out so people can start anticipating. them. Yeah, that's a fun conversation to have, Paris, because I like I am a person who wants the big Avengers Endgame roadmap, right? I just want you to put up years and months and you could just right. put up the game tiles and I'll get excited. And I know a lot of people hate that, right? Because we now have this shift of, well, Nintendo Direct did a great job just showing me the next six months, maybe we can focus on that than now. And this is that weird 50 50. And another one you brought up of like Activision Blizzard, right? Like that deal hasn't gone through. So could they even team up with them? Can they do that? Probably not, right? Not till yeah, next not year. This year. Yeah, so not this year. So then you have another one of like, are we buying our time for another year to get to 2023 summer where now everybody's together and we look at that? Is that too early? Where we'd have to wait till 2024? Because Bethesda and Xbox have already been together for, what, a full year now, where it is like, hey, it is time to show the roadmap. Everybody can bind together. I I do think it is time 
to put up or shut up with a big E3 presentation. And uh, I wonder what that will look like, Paris, because I would like to see what the next six to 18 months look like, at least for the full year of 2023, for sure. Yep, agreed. Well, with that, guys, let's get out of here. Paris Lilly needs some rest. Gary Witta, <laughs> it's time for you to play some games. Hopefully Fallout New Vegas, but we had some fun. It was nice to get off the news a little bit with you guys and kind of bring up the hypothetical and talk about a Game Pass family plan. So thank you, for Paris, for bringing up a fun topic for us to talk about. Of course, all of you listening and watching out there, if you have some fun Xbox-related topics that you want to get off the news with, let me know in the comments down below or tweet at me, and we can have some fun conversations with all of you and some special guests. But with that, it's time to say goodbye. Another week in the books. Thank you to Paris and Gary for joining me once again. Barrett's running the one and twos. And all of you watching and listening. So have a great ga have a great weekend, gamers. We'll see you next week. Peace, everybody. Peace.